Hello, wherever you are listening to us, I hope you are staying safe and doing well. I am Hari Arakli, this is today's Tech Briefing. Later in the program, I will be speaking to Sandeep Kumar Panda, co-founder and CEO of Instasafe, about why demand is soaring for his company's zero-trust network access cloud technologies. That's after these headlines. Google previewed some of the privacy features it is building into version 12 of its Android operating system, which it showcased at its ongoing annual I.O. conference. The new features include what Google calls Android Private Core, which allows the company to introduce new technologies, including those that use artificial intelligence that are private by design, it said. Private Compute Core enables features like live caption, now playing, and smart reply. All the audio and language processing happens on device isolated from the network. Like the rest of Android, the protections in Private Compute Core are open source and fully inspectable and verifiable by the security community, Google said. A new privacy dashboard offers a single view into your permissions settings as well as what data is being accessed, how often and by which apps. Also lets you easily revoke app permissions right from the dashboard. A new indicator in the top right of the status bar will show when your apps are accessing your microphone or camera. And if you want to remove app access to these sensors for the entire system, Android 12 brings two new toggles in quick settings. Android 12 will also give users more control over how much information they share with apps. For example, with new, with new approximate location permissions, apps can be limited to seeing just an approximate location instead of a precise one. Weather apps, for instance, don't need precise location to provide an accurate forecast. It is not clear, however, if various apps will still work if users limit their permissions on their apps. In IT services news, Tata Consultancy Services, India's biggest and one of the world's largest IT companies, has just released its annual report for the financial year that ended on March 31st, 2021. In his letter to investors, CEO Rajesh Kopinathan says that the shift to the cloud computing model has reached a point where it will see a decade-long change from merely renting servers and storage to embracing entire technological ecosystems. These ecosystems are largely being built by Amazon Web Services, Microsoft and Google, called hyperscalers in IT industry jargon, and companies like TCS see opportunity in helping their customers to innovate on the ecosystem of their choice. The enterprise embrace of the hyperscaler cloud has ramifications that go beyond the current year, Gopinathan says, extending to the medium and the longer term as well. This is a decadal technology shift that goes far beyond just server and storage aspects of the IT infrastructure and represents a crystallization of technology choices at a much broader level. This is because all the major hyperscale providers have been steadily building out their technology stacks over the last few years, expanding the offerings to include richer native choices around databases, data warehouses, applications, and even cutting-edge tools like machine vision, conversational systems, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and Internet of Things, Gopinathan said. Today's public cloud is no longer just a very large and inexpensive third-party data center, but a holistic, all-encompassing technology ecosystem, 
Once an enterprise enters this ecosystem, it is virtually certain that all of its future innovation and technology programs will stay within that ecosystem. So, we see this technology shift as the start of a multi-year technology upgradation cycle in which the abundance of native cap capabilities will constantly expand the art of the possible, opening up newer opportunities for technology-driven differentiation, Gopnathan wrote in his letter. Last year in March, Amazon's audiobook service Audible launched Audible Stories, a free global service for children and parents to stream stories in eight languages and with no login required. Jaskorastories.audible.com shows a title and start listening. Audible has recently introduced two new sections titled Stories from India featuring epic English Indian titles and Bharat Ki Kahania featuring stories in Hindi. Titles for children on Audible stories include classics like Ruskin Bond's books such as Great Stories for Children, The Essential Collection for Young Readers, Panchatantra, the oldest surviving collection of Indian fables, and Kara details such as Tuk Tuk narrated by actor Boman Irani, Little Vinayak and The Lizard's Tale narrated by actor Vidya Balan, The Monkey and the Crocodile, The Blue Jackal and The Foolish Lion narrated by Nazaruddin Shah. We know that gamers love NVIDIA's graphics processing units or GPUs for their performance. But as cryptocurrency miners started buying up more of these processors, the gamers were in a bit of a quandary. NVIDIA, however, has been taking steps to limit the ability of crypto miners to use its chips using software drivers, for instance. In its most recent move, NVIDIA has announced that it is going to start nerfing the Ethereum mining hash rate on more graphics cards under its latest RTX 30 series, XDA developers reported yesterday. In gaming parlance, nerfing refers to significantly weakening a character, for example. Buffing is usually the opposite. After the RTX 3060, the company says that the GeForce RTX 3080, RTX 3070 and RTX 3060 Ti graphics cards will also see a reduction in cryptocurrency mining capabilities. A new light hash rate or LHR label will now inform customers whether the GPU they're purchasing is restricted for mining purposes or not, according to XDA. Nvidia says that the move is another attempt to ensure that its new graphics card range reaches gamers instead of crypto miners. Today, we're taking additional measures by applying a reduced ETH hash rate to newly manufactured GeForce RTX 3080, RTX 3070 and RTX 3060 Thai graphics cards. These cards will start shipping in late May. Matt Bubling, Vice President of Global GeForce Marketing at NVIDIA said in a blog post. Pine Labs and Quicksilver Solutions are seeking regulatory approval to consolidate into a single legal entity effective April 1st. Fintech unicorn Pine Labs acquired digital gift card specialist Quicksilver in 2019. Quicksilver's technology powers the Amazon Pay gift card, for example. Amazon is also an investor in Quicksilver. Users will see no disruption to their gift card experience and Pine Labs will be honoring all valid prepaid gift cards and any other card issuer obligations, Quicksilver said yesterday in a statement. Any redemptions and other obligations prior to the consolidation will continue to be honored by Quicksilver. 
In human relationships, very few of us start out with the idea of complete distrust and expect the others to first establish their credentials. In the world of information technology, however, a zero-trust approach is the only way to safeguard individuals and large corporations alike, says Sandeep Kumar Panda, co-founder and CEO of InstaSafe, which provides such safeguards to customers around the world, including government agencies and very large businesses. Sandeep spoke to me about the evolution of the concept of Zero Trust, which is more than 15 years old, and how his company has been building technologies around it, and why the idea has really caught on today. Here's what he had to say. Welcome to the show, and thank you for making time. For starters, uh, InstaSafe, uh, you're seeing a lot of demand for your uh, Zero Trust solutions. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Thank you so much, Hari, for the opportunity and uh, indeed a pleasure to tell the folks audience about what InstaSafe does and how we have been um, you know, supporting in the uh, in the pandemic landscape. So InstaSafe, uh, you know, is a zero trust network access uh, technology provider where we offer authorized users of enterprises and governments a secure and fast access to internally managed applications that are hosted in enterprise data centers or hybrid public cloud, right? Uh, to make this whole thing sound pretty simpler, we essentially help remote and mobile workers whom we have seen so many in this time the last few months were completely working from anywhere or largely working from home scenarios. How they access securely and remove the challenges of all kinds of cyber attacks and breaches is where we specialize in. And uh, how old is this concept of uh, uh, zero trust? Uh, is it a very technical concept as well? And why is it? Why is it? Why has it become a buzzword now? Oh, yeah, very, very interesting question. So, zero trust project started about about 15, 18 years back okay. in the U.S. Department of Defense, where they started calling it as a black cloud concept. Essentially, a technology which will kind of shield all the applications uh, from the outside world. And it is practically not possible to make any applications visible outside a private secured network. But this was in the in the in the private defense information until you know there have been uh, many manifestations to it. One was the Google Beyond Core project when post 2010 uh, Google had a breach and they said, okay, they want to kind of get into a new technology, and they started a Beyond Core project that wasn't still called a zero trust as yet. Hmm. Then the cloud security lands. Uh, started a concept called software defined perimeter, which was very similar to the zero trust concept. Zero trust word came up from uh, a distinguished uh, analyst uh, named Forrester, uh, Mr. John, who coined the word zero trust, uh, mm-hmm. although there have been again few more people who also coined zero trust uh, early on. But the adoption largely saw when, when Gartner formally defined this as a category called zero trust network access, which is which was the evolution of the traditional VPNs or virtual private network era, right? Just to how to give you some context about uh, this whole technology landscape, uh, you know, early 2000s when computers were getting connected, and and it was the evolution of the LAN, right? Late 90s and early 2000s, mm-hmm. the local area network served a good job, and offices were getting connected from LAN moved the WAN where site-to-site or office-to-offices were getting connected using leased lines. This is where, again, we are talking about late 90s. And then, uh, by the time, you know, computers needed to be connected from outside the office network, came in the concept of a virtual private network or a VPN. 
VPNs have been the mainstream of this technology and I'm sure you use, we all have used in our various, uh, you know, organizations and, and accessing various applications. They have served as a very important part of any worker who is working outside the typical office LAN or office corporate network since about last 30 years. Hmm. The biggest challenges what we saw in this VPN technology was the fact that they, they give excessive trust. And this is where I would like to give an analogy of how typically we get access in an Indian railway station and an Indian airport or for that matter any airport. Mm -hmm. Typically, if you go to Indian railway station, you would need either a platform ticket or a railway ticket where you need to go from particular source to destination. These tickets are loosely you know, coupled and then and, and it depends on a high degree of trust that you are actually not abusing the system. Yeah. But having said that, we all know how as users, I myself, when I was studying, we have gone through, you know, multiple stations and and, and probably journeyed through using a simple uh, ticket until we were caught by the TTE or the, or the railway police. So that is that was the level of uh, excessive trust granted uh, in VPNs. VPNs also evolved with the help of multi-factor authentication. If you see nowadays use Gmail or any popular email service, uh, they largely promote the use of a multi-factor authentication technology. Mm -hmm. As simple as user ID, password, and then an OTP or a multi-factor authentication technology. While this has served the needs all this while, zero trust is a complete paradigm shift in the way how you know access has been seen, and so much so forth that that it becomes such a big buzzword that the U.S. government issued a executive order just uh, you know last week, uh, where they want a complete overall of the cybersecurity systems, and zero trust is a very important and named technology which they believe will dramatically reduce the attack surface area of, of government assets uh, and then thereby bring much more better preparedness and cyber prevention. Hmm. And uh, was this US order uh, related uh, to or in the aftermath of the colonial pipeline ransomware attack? Uh, well, I think uh, colonial pipeline was just a matter of time. But yes, nowadays we can comfortably say that uh, the solar winds attack, the, the colonial pipeline attack, which, which led to widespread disruption, has uh, kind of forced uh, the largest government or the most uh, security conscious government in the world to stand up and say that, hey, not just Department of Defense, but nearly every department should take care. And, and not just that, we are now going to see repercussions or, or changes across the globe with variety of governments and defense organizations mm -hmm. nearly needing it because as you would have seen in India, there has been also rumors about uh, the Mumbai power systems which probably would have been breached or, or there have been thoughts like that. And there are so many more sensitive organizations and departments which are already getting breached or could get breached, which could get uh, protected through a zero-trust architecture. Mm -hmm. So, uh, tell us about the main now products and uh, any services built around the, those products from InstaSafe uh, around this concept of uh, software-defined perimeters and zero-trust. Yeah, sure. In fact, uh, before that, I will tell you a little bit more background about why we kind of started this. Mm -hmm. Cyber security uh, was pretty complex. You know, network security needed, um, you know, tons of appliances, hardware appliances. And for every problem to solve, you need a specialized appliance-driven solution. Mm -hmm. This was complex and then when we started way back in, in the winter of 2012, um, you know, the founders, uh, you know, my co-founders and me, imagined, can we make cyber security simple, right? And simplicity for any, any hard problem is way more complex, right? So that's where we said, okay, can we even deliver 
you know important network security services for b2b organizations in a much more simpler through the cloud that simple concept led us to solving one of the biggest problems in this area that is the problem of access mm-hmm. access is such a foundational concept you are assume that this is solved but once you start and peeling the layers we realize okay uh, these are very important things because all this while digital systems were accessed using user id and password the identity element was not tagged so when we said okay let's let's do a new innovation and we and our research brought upon this fact our our focal point was the human identity layer how can we tag down and and uh, the innovation in our uh, product or technology offering brings down technology to the human so you with your ipad is 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 one identity you and your mobile phone is one identity you and your laptop is another identity when we tag down access and authorization into three identities of the same human being then we are able to much more granularly enforce policies granularly control and granularly visualize who who what are you accessing how are you accessing is somebody trying to impersonate you is somebody trying to fake you if you are accessing an application from a an tablet and suddenly you see you know somebody is trying to access it from a mobile phone then probably that's a breach scenario Hmm. Now, all this while these things were not measured not not uh, checked until it was a heavily guarded organization typical enterprises were not having access to these technologies and that is where uh, is the insta safe secure access or the zero trust network access offering uh, we today have more than about 130 organizations uh, both in india us uh, and different parts of asia pacific and europe uh, who use us and we in fact saw close to about a little close to about 5x growth in the last uh, 12 months uh when when organizations of various sizes be it small and large kind of dramatically needed to kind of expand because everybody needed to work from home or stay productive mm-hmm. uh, as we call it and and in these hybrid scenarios uh people who are conscious about modern technology zero trust they immediately you know zoomed upon um you know expanding it like we have so many more customers existing customers of ours who kind of quickly expanded overnight to to have 100% coverage of their staff and 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 uh, you know digital workers and then we had cost customers who were using legacy hardware solutions like vpns and all mm-hmm. wanting to quickly flip through and see okay what can we do about it can we quickly invest and that's where when they realized that insta safe's uh, you know offering is a cloud delivered offering there is no need to ship hardware appliances because obviously there was no import export anything happening at that time right everything had gone into a a country wide lockdown right then they realized okay if we could use a cloud delivered service and a lot of people in fact said oh you guys are like as good as using a dropbox or a, or a google drive right so so that's the flexibility and elasticity you know we bring to our uh, customers and and users so that means that uh, you work on the software as a service uh, model yes uh, our solutions are deployable software as a service model we largely leverage multiple public clouds be it aws or azure or google cloud uh, gcp and our service is an overlay uh, it's a cloud native uh, solution which essentially means that we are built on top of the cloud mm-hmm. and it's an overlay infrastructure that means we depend on all these uh, public clouds to offer our service mm-hmm. and can you talk about some of the biggest customers you have in in india in the us sure I, i would love to talk about uh, one or two customers essentially you know uh, and and this was pretty interesting right i'll talk to you from you know two three angles uh, one is obviously you know how quickly they could scale up right uh, last year you know in the march when when uh, lockdowns are happening you know and then in variety of parts of the globe one of the first things was how can you make a large technology company 
uh, still productive and and, and uh, the account that I'm talking of uh, is in excess of about 50,000 users, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, spread across more than about uh, 12, 15 countries across the globe. Now, this is this is a nightmare situation when you're working from home, you're realizing that do you even have sufficient internet because, uh, you know, our, our modern organizations, while there is enough uh, planning for business continuity purposes, we do not think about working from home as a very simple business continuity, uh, you know, option, right? So, so do we have access to internet? Do we have access to machines, computers, and laptops and desktops? And then that was the immediate search that uh, one of our clients had. And the best part was they could roll out in, in less than a, uh, you know, less than probably less than two weeks' time uh, to nearly about uh, you know thirty plus thousand users uh, spread across more than ten countries. So what's interesting is that uh, you know if a cloud delivered platform or a cloud platform is you do not have to worry about the dependencies that are associated with legacy solutions. Uh, that's the big deal, right? And then, then uh, when it comes to security, obviously, you know, once you're on a zero trust network, then the probability of you getting breached or the account getting breached is is, uh, is next to zero or automatically low. Now, how is that possible? Because as I shared with you, that zero trust network essentially creates a network inside a network. And only for those people where the human layer is stacked to their, the human being is stacked to the device that they use from. Now, this innovation ensures that attackers cannot even see the private applications that are being accessed over a zero trust network, right? So, so our customers could, could see the benefits of a, of a zero trust solution being deployed. And we also saw large insurance companies. Uh, in fact, we saw governments, uh, you know, picking up and then adopting moving from legacy VPNs and hardware solutions to a zero trust access solution where they could seamlessly operate. This uh, idea of uh, software defined defined, uh, perimeter, is that a reflection of uh, a broader trend where uh, many technologies are moving to this concept of software defined something? I mean, even in semiconductors, in fact, yesterday I was talking to the CEO of a semiconductor company and he was talking about software defined radios and so on. So, is there a broader trend here where a lot of uh, things which were earlier implemented on hardware are now being implemented using software? Yes, you are broadly correct. We saw software defined or virtualization of uh, you know computers uh, way happening way back uh, since early 2000s when VMware as a technology was born, right? Or other virtualization of servers. Mm-hmm. From there, moved on to virtualization of storage. And for consumers, you can imagine how when, when companies like Dropbox and Box were, were born, um, they literally saw how, how consumers could also take benefits of uh, storage virtualization, right? Mm. And then security virtualization, although had started, has still not become as popular as server virtualization, storage virtualization and others, right? Security is a complex topic. It needs uh, understanding at multiple layers. And yes, software defined is a pretty easy way to understand how things can be virtualized, how things can be offered as a service, how policies can be governed as a service and, and, and software, pure software based, thereby bringing in tremendous amount of flexibility. And, and, and this flexibility in turn helps a variety of customers to, to provision their needs as, as they want it, right? So you are correct. Software defined is a generic way of putting how things are looked in a very modern way, in a very, uh, you know, a elastic way and a very agile way. Uh, what are the next uh, big steps at InstaSafe? Well, I think uh, firstly, you know, the fact that we have been growing so so quickly and, and uh, tremendously is the fact that we are now wanting to see how we can uh, sustain this growth, uh, the, the need for secure 
systems is more than ever and in the last 12 months or 15 months what we have seen is the landscape is permanently changed mm-hmm. technology projects or security projects which needed uh, multiple layers of approvals which needed uh, you know a multiple thought process or multiple leaders to kind of approve upon now suddenly we are seeing tremendous amount of digital transformation but along with that it's also bringing in the more complex topic of efficient providers and efficient systems in place to ensure that uh, because zero trust for that is just not a piece of product that you plug and play right it's an architecture it's in strategy of how you kind of build multiple layers of checks and balances in your organization and it is not just you kind of replace something that you have it's a way of looking at how your identities are we are looking how devices or how workloads are accessed inside the organization and how applications are configured at instasave we are constantly striving to see how we can you know scale up uh, and and interestingly being a venture backed company uh, we are profitable now so which means that uh, this is a very interesting trend when when venture backed companies uh, you know we raised two rounds of funding uh, one from indian indian angel network cio angel network and and later another round from a company called abm knowledgeware uh in spite of this we became profitable so that's a very important milestone for us and now we are going to the next large milestone of how can we can expand uh, the product portfolio how we can expand our geographical spread uh, we already operate in two geographies as two entities in india and us uh, now the, the strategy and the execution plan is to see even expand our footprints in a much larger global space and uh, working very closely with analysts and large customers so that we could uh, spread the zero trust or, or make our customers even safer brilliant uh, thank you so much uh, sandeep for making time for this conversation and we hope to keep the conversation going thank you thank you so much hari that was sandeep kumar panda co-founder and ceo of instasafe that's it for today's tech briefing you can find all our podcasts on forbesindia.com and on spotify i'm hari arkli thank you for listening <laughs>